Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome to the Water Cooler, everybody. I'm David Brody. Thanks for being here. It's Friday, May 21st, 2021, and welcome to day one of the ceasefire between Israel and Hamas for now. The headlines say the ceasefire is in place and holding, but only time is going to tell. So what are we supposed to make of all of this? And how did the Biden administration handle the crisis? We will speak with former Trump administration uh, Middle East envoy Jason Greenblatt. He will be here today. Also, Joe Biden and the bipartisan infrastructure negotiations. Can both sides reach a deal? There is some movement on that front. We're going to have more on that. Plus, He has been nominated by Joe Biden to run the ATF. That's the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms. But David Chipman, excuse me, is coming under fire. Sorry, no pun intended. Uh, Conservative groups say he is big time anti-Second Amendment. We will explore. And later, our interview yesterday with Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, making waves. A Jewish group asking her to retract her controversial remarks. We're going to take a deeper dive later in the show. But first, our top story. The ceasefire between Israel and Hamas, it holds for now, but both sides caution that it could unravel at any moment. Egypt was the main broker between both sides. The Biden administration says they were heavily involved in the process as well. Here was President Biden talking about it and making sure, by the way, to point out how supportive the administration is toward Israel. The United States fully supports Israel's right to defend itself against indiscriminate rocket attacks from Hamas and other Gaza-based terrorist groups that have taken the lives of innocent civilians in Israel. I assured him of my full support to replenish Israel's Iron Dome system to ensure its defenses and security in the future. You know, we've held intensive high-level discussions, hour by hour, literally. Egypt, the Palestinian Authority, and other Middle Eastern countries with the aim of avoiding the sort of prolonged conflict we've seen in previous years when the hostilities have broken out. All right. Well, some for some important perspective on all of this, let's bring in Jason Greenblatt, who serves as the uh, served as the Trump administration's Middle East envoy, uh, someone instrumental in crafting the Middle East Abraham Accords. Jason, good to see you again, sir. Good to see you. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Jason, what's your overall reaction to this news of a ceasefire between Israel and Hamas? Well, you seized on two very important words for now, right? Uh, We've seen this uh, rodeo before. I am glad for the Israelis and Palestinians. They'll have some relief right now. They'll hopefully be able to enjoy some period of calm. How long it is, we don't know. Um, Hamas's stated goal is to destroy Israel. So uh, they tried again. Israel justifiably defended itself. And I hope it lasts for a while. But in the end, This is one of the major stumbling blocks that people don't focus on in terms of whether or not there could ever be a people. So we hope for now things remain calm, but we shouldn't pretend for a second that Hamas and other terrorist groups acting in Gaza under Iranians' thumb, under their control, fully financed by Iran, aren't there to try to destroy the Jewish state of Israel. 
You, you hate to kind of get into a winners and losers of a ceasefire here because everybody clearly loses, if you will, when it comes to uh, harm and, and people injured and killed. But Hamas is, uh, we're getting late word of Hamas uh, celebrating in the streets of Gaza thinking they won this. I mean, what, what, what kind of reaction is that? Well, that's part of the wicked psyche of what's going on, right? They're celebrating as if they won. They killed Israelis. Obviously, unfortunately, innocent Palestinian lives were lost when Israel justifiably, justifiably retaliated. But what are they celebrating? They're celebrating that they shot thousands of rockets at Israel. Come on. Either you want better lives and you want a possible peace agreement, or you just want to continue this cycle of violence forever. So I don't really know what they're celebrating other than maybe their political leadership is spinning them in directions that are ter terribly unhelpful for any form of positive future for them. Jason, speaking of spinning in different directions, uh, J Joe Biden, uh, boy, I tell you what, this Biden administration, they, they want to take some credit here. Uh, he's tried to be forceful in terms of being pro-Israel at the same time. Uh, he's got the left of his uh, left flank of his party uh, pushing him the other way. Uh, it seems like they're trying to have it both ways. I'm wondering what your your sense of their of his tap dance on this has been. Yeah, I, I hope it's not a tap dance, but that that is what it sounds like to me. They have very muddled messaging. Even the messaging he gave last night, you know, he did say that it will give Israel what it needs to defend itself. That's good. That's positive. I hope he sticks with his word. But to say Israel um, could defend itself against indiscriminate rocket attacks, no, Israel gets to defend itself against terrorism, period. The terror tunnels that Israel worked hard to uh, defang a little bit over the last 11 days, rocket attacks, whether they're shot at innocent civilians or its military. Israel, of course, needs to defend its own military, uh, its airports. It's not just civilians. So the messaging, I think, is very muddled. Pick a side, either truly stand by our cherished ally, the state of Israel, and hope for peace or calm, or try to mix the messages, and then you get uh, very, very muddled. So I, I don't know the answer. I wasn't in the room. Yeah. Um, the other thing that troubles me is the, you know, trying to get credit. So, you know, Egypt for sure gets credit. I'm sure Qatar was involved and should get credit in other Middle Eastern nations. But uh, the Biden administration talking to the Palestinian Authority, the Palestinian Authority is irrelevant in this particular conflict because the Palestinian Authority is not in Gaza, is afraid to go in Gaza, is a bitter enemy of Hamas. They hate each other. So talking to the Palestinian Authority with respect to this, this part really makes no sense. What I do wonder is what they actually said to the Israelis. I hope that they did not put pressure on the Israelis. I hope they did give Israel the space to... Um, to do as much as they could over the last 11 days to degrade Hamas's and Palestinian Islamic Jihad's capabilities. I don't know the result, you know, what was said in these private conversations, but in in that respect, I hope they did the right thing. Jason, what are we supposed to make of, I think it was back in April, the, the Biden administration sent, uh, opened up the floodgates of money, if you will, back to the Palestinian Authority, something the Trump administration uh, cut off. Uh, did that have any impact here? I mean, what are we supposed to make of the fact that the money started flowing? Was that a, a sign of, uh, an ominous sign of things to come as it relates to uh, what, what maybe they felt emboldened? I say they, I mean, you're talking about Hamas and Palestinian Authority and kind of two different factions there. Right. Well, let's take the Hamas side. And, and it's not just the money that they opened up the spigot for or said they would a little while ago. But in President Biden's remarks last night, he said he's going to work with the international community to build, rebuild Gaza. So what are we going to do? We're going to spend U.S. taxpayer money, potentially, I hope not, 
to rebuild something, and then Hamas starts to shoot rockets again at Israel, because again, they want to destroy Israel, and then Israel will justifiably defend itself, and then things get destroyed again. Well, that's a total waste of money, and we decided not to do that until Hamas was really ready to lay down its arms. We're just sort of feeding into the same cycle of violence of Hamas, and I think it makes Hamas happy, because they could shoot rockets, things get destroyed, people throw money at them, and they started over and over and over again. On the Palestinian Authority side and UNRWA, I think UNRWA is a corrupt organization. UNRWA does not give these Palestinians who live in these uh, so-called refugee camps any form of future. People need to rethink that. It's a complete waste of money. It's putting a Band-Aid on a very, very open wound. And uh, the other money that is being sent, you know, we really need to ask as U.S. taxpayers, should we be funding the Palestinian Authority that uses some of its money to encourage Palestinians to maim and murder Israelis? Is that really what U.S. money should be used for? And I understand that they'll do it in a way that doesn't violate the really, really important Taylor Force Act. But at the end of the day, when do we have the courage to, to, you know, to simply draw a line in the sand and say, until you repeal your pay-to-slay laws, when you encourage people to murder Israelis, you're not getting another cent out of the United States of America. Yeah, let me uh, wrap with this, uh, Jason. Uh, and I know you could spend two hours uh, on a lecture about the differences between the Biden administration and the Trump administration when it came to uh, uh, the, the foreign policy uh, over there, Middle East policy. But what are the fundamental differences? I mean, what, what, what do people need to understand in terms of a mindset between what the Biden administration is trying to accomplish over there and what the Trump administration did accomplish in, in four years? So I've got about a minute or so, a minute and a half. Well, I think the last 11 days is one of the key points. Uh, the Biden administration is speaking aspirationally in a lofty way, and that's great. I'd love to talk about peace as well. But let's recognize that at the end of the day, until we get rid of Hamas or other terrorist actors, there is no such thing as a, as a full-blown peace agreement. So let's stop talking about the two-state solution and other things like that. We can talk about those things and debate whether we had a good peace plan or others have a good peace plan. But let's uh, take the bull by the horns, be open and honest and realistic, and talk about how the fact that the Palestinian leadership itself is terribly divided, and there's no one really representing all Palestinians, and you have terrorists who want nothing more to, than to destroy Israel. Uh, let's deal with that before we pretend that peace is in the, uh, the not-too-distant future. I think that's one of the key differences between what we tried to do and did and recognized and what the Biden administration is doing. Jason Greenblatt, uh, always great to see you and great insight. Very important comments uh, here today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Jason Greenblatt, the former White House envoy to the Middle East, instrumental along with uh, uh, Jared Kushner and others, obviously under Donald Trump, President Donald J. Trump, uh, with the Abraham Accords that, uh, boy, I tell you what, there, there's a lot clearly going on. And, uh, you know, elections have consequences, as we've talked about many times on this program. And unfortunately, we're seeing some of that play out right now uh, in the Middle East. So we will obviously keep our eye on that. Uh, when we come back, Dr. Dave Bratt will be here, the dean of the business school at Liberty University, talking about infrastructure. Republicans, Democrats trying to get together on some sort of infrastructure deal. Can they do it? What's the price tag? And more importantly, the devil is in the details. Back in a moment. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting. But Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give. But what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are, too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. 
I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. Infrastructure. Here we go. It's at a critical stage. You know why? That's what the Associated Press says. Uh, And there's the headline. I believe everything the media tells me. I'm a sheep. Anyhow, White House GOP infrastructure takes hit uh, talks hit crucial. I can't even read uh, talks hit crucial stage. But in this case, the Associated Press is right. It is at a crucial stage. Why? Because there's more meetings at the White House today between legislative aides and Republicans on Capitol Hill. What sort of infrastructure package will we be seeing here specifically? Mitch McConnell has come out this week and said, here's his red line specifically. It has to do with the tax cuts. Have a look. We're, we're not interested in reopening the 2017 tax bill. We both made that clear to the president. That's our red line. We believe that in February of 2020, we had the best economy we've had in 50 years. We believe that was a major reason for it. And so, from my perspective, this discussion about the way forward on infrastructure will not include revisiting the 2017 tax bill. Well, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that. Let's bring in Dr. Dave Bratt, Dean of the School of Business at Liberty University. Dave, outside today. Good to see you, sir. Hey, Dave. Great to be on. Thank you. Well, what do you make of these, this infrastructure deal? It seems like what's going on here is that uh, Democrats may be okay with going ahead with Republicans and figuring out a separate deal on bridges, roads, infrastructure, traditional infrastructure, and then going their own way and all that social infrastructure stuff that we've heard about, because Republicans aren't going to have any of that. Yeah, and we'll see about that. These red lines, I never hear the uh, Republican red line that I want, which is the next budget will spend less uh, than the one last time. And we're already running, you know, several trillion dollar deficits. And so the usual game in D.C., which I, I think will probably happen, you know, the Democrats will say, let's do two trillion. The Republicans will say, let's do one trillion. They'll get together and compromise and they'll both agree to do three trillion. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's just the, the way it goes up there in the swamp. It, it, none of it makes any sense. <clears throat> uh, the Republicans used to be fiscally responsible. I, I think someone's got to propose that at some point you have to reduce spending. Right. We, we have. We used to have just just $1.1 trillion deficits. We spend a trillion point one more than we take in in revenues. That's the deficit. Uh, now it's several trillion. Pre- this is all debt we're taking on from our rich uncle that our kids have to pay back. And I, I just can't repeat that basic message enough. This, you, you know, do you want infrastructure? Sure. I also want a sport fishing yacht. There's a lot of things I want. Uh, but you, you don't get them all. You got to make tough choices. Not not to play the blame game here, but I, if, if people want to blame the Biden administration on this, I think that, that that's not going to make much sense because this goes back. Republicans have been complicit in this for yeah. a very long time. George W. Bush. Yeah. I mean, I, I can go I right. Trump. I mean, this thing has been skyrocketing for a long time. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, that's right. And that that's uh, we need some Republicans uh, to uh, lay out, you know, a 10 year horizon uh, for reductions in spending that quit penalizing our kids, that there's no getting away from that. There's no one. There's no economist you'll put on that disagrees with what I'm saying. Every trillion dollars we're lopping on that we're spending is going to come from our children's generation. Uh, it, it's just that simple. Uh, Dave, they're going to, I say they, the Biden administration, this is what I anticipate. You tell me what you think here, that any of this money for infrastructure that gets approved, whatever the final number is going to be, there's going to yeah. be strings attached to that. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be regulatory, sure. uh, federal regulatory, uh, whether it be regulations or Green New Deal stuff, all attached to it. Yeah. And that's going to just make the regulatory yeah. burden just, just insanely, this is insane. This isn't just economics yeah. here, too. No, that, that, that's a great point. And uh, we know, you know, anything will be loaded up with green stuff that's got to go through consultants and lobbyists uh, up in the swamp. And so, you know, economics used to do, you know, benefit cost ratios and calculate the rate of return. And that's what I want to see, right? I want to see the rate of return of each infrastructure project proposed. Some of them actually may create economic growth and may be stimulative for the economy. If so, wow, that, that's great news. That's the way it should be. And those are the, the, the packages we should pick. Uh, but it, it's, we, we used to do this, right? Yeah. Rate of return, right? I'm at, I'm at our Liberty University Business School. Uh, benefit cost ratio, including the regulatory costs, right? The costs on the supply side include all costs, not just the price of the thing you're buying, but all social costs as well. Yeah, I want to play. I want to show you a just the news headline uh, that's up today. This is about uh, Bidenomics yeah. uh, on hold. Question mark. Poor economic reports raise caution flags for massive spending plans, and, and indeed, it just does seem like there's been one yeah. problem after the other with this economy, from a jobs report on down. What do you make yeah. of the overall uh, state of what's happening here? The, what the Biden administration has to deal with here economically. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I've gotten into it with some of my libertarian friends lately, et cetera, on big tech and allow, you know, you, do you want to penalize these very successful gigantic firms that have monopolies? I said, yes, I do. I want to break them up because uh, it's not about, you know, penalizing the success of, of one business person. It's about sustaining the free enterprise system. We've always had markets, right? The Greeks had markets, the Agora, et cetera. But 1800 uh, was the beginning of the market system uh, that's chosen by your society and that there is no free market system right now prices the economic intro course is called price theory because prices guide decision making the prices carry infinite amounts of information and uh so we're not there's no reading right now. it's impossible for us to guess when hyperinflation explodes when the debt bomb goes off when the bond market repeals we don't have any accurate tools to measure that yeah. because we're in a, you know, a statist, corporatist environment right now, not a free market environment. Dave, let me follow up as we wrap up here on, that, on the inflation issue. Obviously, yeah. a rise in inflation. The Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell says we shouldn't worry too much about inflation. What, what do you make of that? I mean, uh, thus far, he's been right, uh, but that's even more problematic, right? When you got $8 trillion in fiscal stimulus and $7 trillion in monetary stimulus, and you don't have inflation, uh, what does that tell you? That tells you the economy's a corpse laying on the table, right? So they won't tell you that part of it. The reason he's not worried is because we don't have an economy right now. Hmm. We're pumping 15 trillion in stimulus through the body, and it's still not moving at any warp speed. 
Yeah. And uh, so they, they need to come and tell the American people the whole truth. What, what's going on with this economy? Dave Bratt, really appreciate your time. As always, great to see you, sir. Thank you, David. All right. Good stuff. Oh, boy, I tell you what. Let me, let me show you where Dave Bratt is. This is my head. Clearly, this is my head. Boom. I mean, I try, to, I try to compress it. I try to understand it. But I got to tell you, I'm taking a couple Excedrin after the, after the segment because that is economic firepower. Back in a moment. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. You notice with the Biden administration is like this one common theme. There's always controversy, controversy about everything. Too much spending, too much moral decay, too much cultural chaos. And the list goes on. Mask, oh, did I forget mask and COVID? Yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, but here's another controversy. It has to do with the Bureau of Alcohol, Al- I can't even say it. What am I, drunk? The Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms uh, nominee, Biden, uh, has nominated uh, David Chipman, and he has made questionable statements about suppressors and automatic weapons. And the headlines continue. Uh, Here's another one. Uh, This is from America First. Uh, Biden's ATF nominee called an enemy of the Second Amendment. And of course, the New York Post, we got to love the New York Post headlines. Uh, House Republicans opposed Biden ATF nominees say he would threaten gun ownership. So there are headlines galore all over the place. We said we've got to have Teresa Mull on, the editor of Gunpowder Magazine, to break all of this down. We're like, what's going on with David Chipman uh, here? Uh, Teresa, good to have you back on the show. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thank you. Well, help us through this. What are some of the Second Amendment concerns about David Chipman? What's the deal with him? Yeah, David Shipman is a career bureaucrat. You hear about career politicians. He's a career bureaucrat. He spent 25 years at the ATF, so he might know his way around the agency a little too well for my liking. He knows how the system works. Most recently, he's been working for, um, he worked first for Every Town for Gun Safety, Michael Bloomberg's rabidly anti-gun organization. And now he's a policy advisor for Giffords, another super anti-gun organization. So he is by far the most controversial, political, just blatantly anti-gun candidate the, that we've ever seen for the ATF. I mean, can you imagine if a Republican president, this would be the equivalent of a Republican president nominating a leader from the NRA to head the ATF. Can you imagine what the backlash for that <laughs> would be? Yeah, no, for, absolutely. And now apparently we know that there's a letter that 70 uh, House Republicans have uh, sent to, uh, I believe to, let me just double check, yeah, it's to Senate my, uh, Majority Leader uh, Chuck Schumer and others uh, basically saying th- there's no way uh, that the Biden administration should be putting this guy up uh, at all. Apparently, what, is he also against the AR-style uh, Uh, rifles as well. Yes, he has been an outspoken proponent for every form of gun control you can imagine. He's in favor of expanding background uh, background checks for implementing red flag gun confiscation laws. He wants to reclassify AR-15s to be uh, the same as machine guns. This is the most popular firearm in America. Millions and millions of Americans own these weapons. And he wants to make it so that if you own one, you have to get special permission from the government, get a permit, you have to register it, and you have to pay these high fees to have it. So that's what we're up against. But the most shocking thing that I've heard come from Chipman, and this is hard to believe, but it was recently on a Reddit forum Q&A. He said, and I'm going to quote from it uh, because I want to get it right, yeah. that concerning background checks, 
this is a perfect opportunity to arrest people before committing crimes. So what he's saying is that if you're denied a background, if, if you're denied a gun while you're trying to buy um, a firearm at a gun store and you're denied, he wants to arrest you on the spot. <laughs> Not only is this insanely unconstitutional, goes against every single law, but we know that the National Instant Criminal Background Check System, NICS, is extremely flawed. And 99% of the time, those denials are wrong. They're false positives. So if you go to try to buy a gun at a gun store and you get denied, there's a 99% chance that they got the wrong guy. But if Chipman were in charge, he would have you arrested I mean, to that, stop that, you from co committing a crime. It's insane. I mean, that quote you just read should scare every single American, whether or not you're for or against the Second Amendment uh, at that point. I mean, that, that, that's, that, that's really shocking to me. Uh, we'll have to follow up on that specifically. We'll get the, whether it be audio. Did he say that in what, a podcast or, or in some sort of interview? It was a Reddit forum. It was a Q&A online. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I can definitely send you the link. And Tucker Carlson reported on it as well. Yeah, for sure. We'll definitely check that out. Um, so th this goes to a broader issue as it relates to the Biden administration and uh, uh, the Second Amendment under assault. Uh, how, beyond how concerning uh, are you about what's happened with the Biden administration? Um, where, where is this all going? I mean, do, do, do you believe that he even believes in the Second Amendment or he just wants to see a watered down Second Amendment. I don't think he believes in the Second Amendment at all. You know, that's just something that he says to make, you know, all of these Americans, these millions of Americans who own AR-15s and, you know, really treasure their right to keep and bear arms, you know, to to say, oh, I'm a nice guy. I'm on your side. I like guns. But really, he doesn't understand anything about them. All he wants to do, as all leftists do, is control the American people. And he realizes, I think, that there is growing animosity to gun control. We've seen recent polling that shows that support for gun control is lower than it's been in many years. We've seen a surge every month. There are records broken um, from people, especially first-time gun owners, women and minorities who are buying guns. People who would never own a gun before are buying guns now. So I think Biden knows that um, he, you know, he doesn't really have a chance of maybe getting all of his gun control promises passed in the legislature. Uh, so he wants to do it in a sneaky way. The role of the ATF is to um, enforce laws and to help gun owners, uh, gun companies, and gun store owners to comply with the yeah. laws we have. But what he's going to do with somebody like Chipman is this sneaky thing where they reclassify guns like AR-15s or they reclassify um, stabilizing braces, bump stocks. We've seen it with bump stocks. That's what they do. They reclassify these items. And all mm -hmm. of a sudden, if you own it, you're a criminal overnight. And if you're a gun manufacturer who makes these, you're out of business just like that. So yeah. this is a sneaky way that you can kind of bypass the traditional legislative system and punish gun owners and make us defenseless and rely I, on Big Brother. I've got about 30 seconds, but and I know you can talk a lot longer than 30 seconds on this, but this magazine capacity situation, I mean, this has always been kind of like, everybody thinks it's a middle ground, kind of limit the magazine capacity, but criminals aren't playing by the rules here. So how does that help? Exactly. It doesn't help at all. You know, what these instead of going after real criminals, instead of going after gangs, we have a huge gang problem. We have all of this violence. We have 
the trafficking of guns. That's what the ATF should be doing. But instead of going after real, real criminals, they're taking people who are trying to comply with the laws, law-abiding Americans, and putting up new rules, new regulations that makes turns them into criminals whenever they're the ones who are trying to comply by the law in the first place. So, of course, all of this is just, you know, in the name of uh, making America safer. But as we know, criminals don't abide by the law. So passing new laws is not going to make us safer. It's going to disarm Americans who want to defend themselves and their families and properties. And it's going to make America less safe. For sure. Teresa Mull, editor of Gunpowder Magazine. Thanks for being here. Great insight. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. Uh, and uh, boy, I tell you what, it, it's been a debate for a very long time. You've got, look, elections have consequences. We hear it all the time. It's true. I mean, I can go down a list of uh, different issues within the Biden administration, but guns has got to be right north, near the top. I mean, he's doing a lot through executive order. You can look it up. Uh, it's all over the internet on legitimate sites. Back in a moment. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. Uh, look, there's a lot of folks around America that believe America needs saving. So guess what? It is time for the Save America Freedom Tour. By the way, let me just say that bus was speeding. I think that was an infraction of some sort. Hey, we were in Philly on Wednesday. Not we weren't. We weren't there. And, and now the bus is in Lynchburg. And look, there's Amanda Head and Ben Burkwan. Uh, they're at Liberty University. Guys, tell us, fill us in. What's going on? Hi, David. Yes, we had an incredibly successful event today uh, from two to three. We've, we've still got our setup. I have to tell you, we left it up just for you so that you could get kind of a behind the scenes view of what happens every time we do one of these live specials. This is number two of three. Tomorrow is our final one in Cookville, Tennessee. But I'll just kind of show you what our setup looks like, because a lot of times our viewers, they just really see what's on camera and then everything else, all of the other work gets lost in the wind. But I think it's important to give credit to the folks who put in so much effort and so much time to set this up over here our tech booth we are in front of or actually on the back side of Liberty University College of Business of course we've got the uh, the seats out here for our crowd and then we've got the platform just behind Ben here with our seats up there that we sat in to talk to the crowd and to perform our interviews we talked to a number of amazing people Dave Bratt uh, former congressman Robert Hurt uh, Phil Klein, just an amazing lineup of guests, and we talked to students too, and that was probably the most important part of our program was talking to the young people here. And uh, you want to take us on our tour the rest of the way? Yeah, Dave. So the uh, you know you might know this guy over here as well. You know what's funny is he's always got his fans out here. The energy on this is just going crazy. We're traveling across the country. Jeremy Harrell, live from America. Actually, the guy who came to me originally and said, let's do this bus tour. I'm like, we're already planning town halls. He's like, let's add a bus to it. We're like, heck yeah. And then all of a sudden, people start showing up, this beautiful young lady over here. Except I wouldn't say fans. I'd say family. Family. Right? Mm -hmm. Family. The Real America's Voice team is a family. Team. Live from America is a family. And that's what we have right here. And you came out today, right? Absolutely. And why are you here? What's, what, what is, what's the reason that you came out today? Well, other than to support you guys who Aww. are doing some incredible important work just because of the fact that our country's in trouble you'd have to be under a rock not to know that it's time for all hands on deck right and and we need to be out there speaking up and need people to get involved well god bless you yeah god, god bless, bless you, you. <laughs> so that's what we're doing folks out here trying to save one city one town one state at a time but we can't do it Trump can't do it alone. Politicians can't do it alone. It's got to be the people of this country, and that's what we're out here doing. So God bless you all.
That's it. David Brody, Amanda Head, Ben Burkwam, Jeremy Harold, the whole team, Dave Bray now, and the guys behind the scene, Harry, Brandon, and Ben. Say hi, Ben. Uh, wave that camera. There we go. Little baby. Oh, and we got a baby. baby the, the youngest patriot has showed up. I don't know if we can put the baby on camera. I think this is a great way to sh send it out, David. I love it. The, the, the RAV nucleus. <laughs> Two oh, hours right to there. see Jeremy Hill. Yes, kids in tow. <laughs> and because the future generation is at risk. That's, That's right. it. That's it right there. <laughs> Hey, Ben and Amanda, let me ask you a little bit about the contours of this. And what I mean by that is, well, what are you hearing most from people? There's so many different problems. There, you got immigration, there's financial issues, there's, there, there, excuse me, cultural issues, a moral decline. Where, where's, the, where's the energy? I, I'm sure it's all of that combined, but what are you hearing most of all on, these, on the tour across America? Direction of party, 100%. That is the most common answer I get from people who are concerned that the Republican Party is really digging in and trying to stay policy-wise where it has always been instead of going in the direction of the America First agenda. Practically every person I talk to expresses concern over what's going to happen in 2022 as it relates to that because they want to see more America First MAGA candidates and they want to see the the old dog rhino Republicans uh, just fade into the background and let us youngsters take over. And, and really for me, David, it's the concern that it's gone too far. And too many people feel like it's gone too far and there's no saving it now. Uh, and that's why we're out here is to reinforce that America can still be saved and it is worth saving, that we have to save it. That's hence the Save America Freedom Tour. But it's up to every single American. We are in the last hours. Uh, and it, if we don't do it, nobody will. It's up to you, America. It's not us. We're just out here. We're, uh, we want you to come out and tell us how we can help you and your neighborhoods. That's why we're coming across the country. We're heading to uh, Tennessee tomorrow. We'll be there live in Cookville, Tennessee. And then we're going to be heading across the rest of the country to meet more amazing patriots as we go. You know, it's interesting, guys. We had Madison Cawthorn, the congressman from North Carolina, on the show yesterday, and he talked about how Republicans are tired of taking it on the chin. We're not going to take it on the chin anymore, is what he said. We're a party of fighters, uh, and we're clearly seeing that. That's what Trump was channeling, uh, the Marjorie Taylor Greens of the world, Madison Cawthorns. It just seems like it's a kind of a new brand of Republicanism that's been out there ever since Trump. Uh, and so you just wonder how that's going to play out in the country uh, going through to 2022. 100%. No, that's it. They're, these are the fighters. These are the representatives. No more politicians. We need representatives like Marjorie Taylor Greene that are going to stand up and fight back for this country. President Trump gave us the blueprint. Uh, now it's up to the rest of the American people to, to take that and run with it. And we're already seeing that happen. Yeah. And one last thing I thought was something very interesting you said before, Ben, which is this idea that it's the people that, you know, it is we the people. It's the people that need to tell uh, the politicians uh, what to do. It's not the other way around. And the same thing with the media. The media loves to talk about on high. You know, this is what you, you know, you're, you're too stupid yeah. to know any better. So we're going to tell you what to do. But you're saying it's the exact opposite. We believe in we the people. And that's why we are out here. This microphone is for you, America. Wow, that was deep. That was like, I mean, I, I just need a Zen moment, if you don't mind. Uh, can we just do that? Uh, that was great. <laughs> great stuff. All right, Ben, Amanda, th thank you so much. Oh, that's beautiful. Uh, Liberty, uh, man, I must tell you, I'm missing the glasses. You had them Wednesday. Uh, maybe, maybe they'll appear tomorrow at some point. I'll bring them back tomorrow.
All right, yeah. guys, stay safe. Liberty University down there, uh, appreciate it. Uh, and by the way, uh, let's not miss the fact that the reason they're at Liberty University is higher education. What do I mean by that? I'm talking specifically about the college kids, the Gen Zers of the world, the next generation. Uh, critical that the next generation uh, get on board, not on board with Republican, the Republican Party, and not get on board with politics, but get on board as in read the U.S. Constitution, understand your rights. And I got to tell you, with everything going on with the masks and Fauci and mandates and all that, we are seeing an active civics lesson right before our very eyes. Very important that parents right now step up and communicate and educate their children about what they are seeing right in front of them. We're back in a moment with a last sip. It has to do with Marjorie Taylor Greene, some provocative comments she made on our show yesterday. They are making waves across the country. We'll talk about it in a moment. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Hey, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene was on this program yesterday making uh, national headlines now for what she told us. Uh, basically, she talked about Holocaust-style tactics. She didn't use the word Holocaust, but she said Holocaust-style tactics, if you will, uh, when it comes to what Nancy Pelosi is doing with the House mask mandates. Here's the clip. Ha have a look. Wait for them to be vaccinated because they are selfishly a danger to other people, including staff people here. Uh, so uh, while we all hopeful, and I, I join the president in being hopeful, uh, that we can reach a place where it is safe for people to be. What is this, the honor system? The honor system as to whether somebody has been vaccinated? Do you want them breathing in your face on the strength of their honor? This is out of control, Congresswoman. This woman is mentally ill. You know, we can look back in a time in history where people were told to wear a gold star and they were definitely treated like second class citizens, so much so that they were put in trains and taken to gas chambers in Nazi Germany. And this is exactly the type of abuse that Nancy Pelosi is talking about. Well, let's talk about the queen of the House of Hypocrites. On day one here in, in the House of Hypocrites, when we were sworn in, Nancy Pelosi flew in COVID positive members of Congress. And then she built a little box up in the chamber up there on the second floor where she put these positive COVID members. By the way, it wasn't a closed, completely closed uh, space that there was open air throughout the rest of the room. Yeah. Well, she brought in positive COVID members and exposed everyone in the entire building and they traveled across the country spreading COVID. So this is a woman that doesn't care about people's safety. This is a woman that is hyper-focused on her own power and control. Clearly controversial remarks. Anytime you mention the Holocaust ha, ha, or ha, anytime you mention gas chambers, here's what the American Jewish Congress tweeted today. You can never compare health-related restrictions with Yellow Stars, gas chambers, and other Nazi atrocities. Such comparisons demean the Holocaust and contaminate American political speech. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene must immediately retract and apologize. We will follow up on this story, but it's important to give you both sides of the story. Clearly, when she said that, uh, you knew it was gonna be controversial, uh, and here's why. From a PR perspective, anytime you kind of go there, when you start to talk about Holocaust-type tactics, gas chambers and that, that uh, it is a PR uh, nightmare, and this is exactly what's happening uh, here. What, was the sentiment coming from a bad place? No. But the PR aspect to this obviously has uh, caused a few ripples out there. Back in a moment. 
Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. It is a Friday. It's the end of the show. The weekend is here. Anna Perez, Real America's Voice Correspondent, about to lay out three minutes of uh, your weekend plans. No, just kidding. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> All right. Uh, what, what's going on? You always have a news story because, well, that's what you do. Right. Yeah. Well, a lot more news for critical race theory stuff. I know we've been talking about that oh, yeah. a lot. Bring it on. What do you got? But uh, what's happening now is 20 states, including mm -hmm. now uh, Dave Yost, from, uh, who's the Attorney General of Ohio, okay. is uh, they're signing a letter and sending it to the Department of Education, basically opposing their proposal to implement critical race theory in all public schools. Mm. Now, this uh, proposal that the Department of Education came out with uh, came out last month, mm -hmm. and basically it says that it will be paid for by federal grants and this email this sorry this letter sent by it probably was an email honestly this letter <laughs> sent by the 20 states basically says that first of all we prefer if we just ban this proposal but if that's not possible we just at least like it to be clear that taxpayers will not be funding this proposal mm -hmm. so and obviously the funds would be go, going to things like reteaching veteran teachers what critical race theory is and how to implement it and how to you know promote black lives matter which we've seen happen already in public schools That's right. so um... so yeah and you know yost brought up the good point that um... this isn't about rejecting history or saying or not addressing you know things that happened in our past like slavery what this is about is not teaching trying to avoid teaching american history in a biased way seeing saying things like america is inherently a racist country mm -hmm. you know things that are very controversial and many parents would oppose their kids learning yeah this is a literally a structural curriculum situation yeah uh, basically so so you say is it 20 states uh, these are attorney generals or yeah attorney generals from 20 states um okay. yeah and ohio is the latest to sign on to this also we heard mm -hmm. that in florida just recently they're mm -hmm. going to be voting on on a ban on June 8, uh, sorry, June 10th, mm -hmm. that would essentially address, they would ban all of these uh, critical race theory proposals from the Department of Education. So That's down in um, Florida, you mean? Yeah, down, down in Florida. Florida. So that'd be the state of Florida. And of course, Ron DeSantis is very approving of this. Um, a lot of conservatives in Florida are very approving of this. Um, but that's that would address specifically Florida. But I think it just goes to show mm -hmm. that people are really scared about what's happening in our education system right now, mm -hmm. um, pushing for a lot of these very biased, um, very biased, basically learning you know objectives here. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. If Democrats are giving like a playbook to how to lose the suburbs in 2022. Yeah, exactly. For yeah. Sure. All right. And have a great weekend. Thank you. You too. All right. Uh, Monday on the show, uh, Matt Schlapp, president of the American Conservative Union, Joel Rosenberg over in Israel, Nan Hayworth. What about my mom? I'm working on her. <laughs>